My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for your heart, our hearts. Amen. You may not know the name of Charles Blunden, but in 1859, he set up a tightrope from the American side of the Niagara Falls to the Canadian side. It was 160 feet in the air. And he was going to walk across the falls on the tightrope. It was such a major event that President Millard Fillmore was there. Now, you may remember one of the um, Walendas did this a couple of years back. And it was on the night TV, and we watched him shake with the big, t big uh, stick for balancing, and he went over once. Oh, not Charles Blunden. He went over once, and he came back. He rode a bicycle across and came back. They chained his hands and feet, and he went over, and he came back. On the next, oh, <laughs> he carried a stove and stopped in the middle and made an omelet. You want to meet this? I would like to see this. I wish there was video from 1859. I think I got it. The next day, he carries his manager piggyback across and back. Then the last thing he did was he turned backwards so he couldn't see where he was going, and he walked across backwards, and he pushed a wheelbarrow back. Well, you may have heard this story before, but these are the facts. Now, the part about the wheelbarrow is what they call apocryphal. We're not sure that it happened, but it sounds like it could have. He walks over backwards, he pushes the wheelbarrow back, he gets to the end and he says, what do you think? And everybody cheers. He goes, do you think I could carry a person across in the wheelbarrow? And the entire crowd shouts, yes, yes, yes. And then he says, who will get in the wheelbarrow? And it's what we call in the business crickets. Not one person said, yes, I'll get in the wheelbarrow. What we're talking about today is the difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. I want you to make a note of that if you're taking notes. There's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. One of my favorite jokes in mixed, mixed pastoral company is this. Poor Vicky has heard this too many times. I apologize in advance. Three pastors were discussing pigeons. They all had trouble with pigeons on their church. There was a Baptist pastor, a Methodist pastor, and a Catholic priest. The Methodist pastor said, well, we paid money for those little statues of the falcons and the owls you put up there, and it's supposed to scare them away. I think the plastic animals are running a protection racket. We have more pigeons than we ever had. The Baptist pastor said, I'm, I'm really embarrassed to say that we bought the poison. We put it up on the roof. I think it's an aphrodisiac. We have more pigeons than we've ever had before. The priest rolled his eyes. He said, you have got this so wrong. He said, we don't have pigeons at our church anymore. And the both pastors said, what? How did you do that? He said, I climbed up on that roof. He said, I baptized them, I confirmed them, and I never saw them again. Now, I'm sorry to say that that joke is funny because it's true. Many people get to that place where they get confirmed into the church, and then we might see them on Christmas and Easter. 
they haven't set their eye on the prize. I want you to, if you're taking notes, I'll give you the Bible verses, but I want you to think about this. Jesus is preaching on the Sea of Galilee. He asked Peter to row him out in the boat. He comes back in, and what does he say to Peter? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And not only Peter leaves the boat that day, Andrew leaves the boat that day, James leaves the boat that day, and John leaves the boat that day. Four disciples in one follow me. I wish I worked that way today. Think about that. Follow me. And it says they left their nets and followed him. Jesus said, I want you to focus on a different prize. That's in Matthew 4, 18 to 22. In John 1, and following, Jesus has almost the same encounter with Philip and Nathaniel. And you might remember that Nathaniel has a little bit of an attitude. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And he and Jesus talk and Jesus says, follow me. And they leave everything and follow him. Now, here's, here's the one that always gets to me. Matthew is at work. He is sitting at his little tax collector desk making money. And if you know anything about the first century, tax collectors made money. He probably had a Roman soldier or two there, and if you didn't have enough money, they would, like they do in the cartoons, turn you upside down and shake you till the money came out. You had to pay the tax that Matthew said. And Jesus came along, what did he say? Follow me. And it says that Matthew left. He left the money. He got up and he left the money, why? Because Jesus gave him a new focus. Now, what is that focus for Jesus? It's to go to Jerusalem. It says in the scripture, he set his eyes on Jerusalem. This is what makes a difference between Jesus being a good man or a good preacher or a savior of the world. Up until this time, we don't really have an image of a slain and risen savior. We just have a man who says really smart, really catchy, heartfelt things. And in his spare time, he makes tuna fish sandwiches and heals the blind. It is a really cool show. And thousands of people come to see this wise teacher do magic tricks. But something changes here. It says he set his eyes on Jerusalem. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Romans were in Jerusalem and Jesus just by being who he was, was a bit of a rabble rouser. There were people who were saying he was the Messiah and he was going to lead a revolt and we were going to push the Romans out of Israel. Now, if you're the ruling party, you don't want somebody else to come in and say, we're going to take over and throw you out. The Romans were not happy with Jesus. Moreover, the Jewish leaders were not happy with Jesus because he called them out on their bad behaviors. Remember, he went to the temple and he turned over the tables. He said, you've turned my father's house into, into a marketplace. If Jesus went to Jerusalem and he did the things that we knew he was going to do, he was guaranteed to at least go to prison and perhaps die. So in the scripture today, there are four encounters that Jesus has in this little, what is it, 11 verse pericope. 
The first one is with the Samaritans. Now, Samaria was on the way from, uh, if those of you who are listening on Spotify, I'm actually pointing at an imaginary map. Up at the top of the map is uh, the Sea of Galilee, where Peter lived in Capernaum, and they're coming down and a little bit west to Jerusalem. And one of the ways to get there is to go through Samaria. You remember he met the Samaritan woman at the well once on this trip. He's making the same trip again. As he comes down through Samaria, now he's known there, he's already done ministry there. The people say, Jesus, where are you going? Well, we know where he's going because he set his heart on Jerusalem. Well, here's the problem. The Samaritans didn't think you should worship in Jerusalem. They thought you should worship on a mountain that they had chosen, that they believed God had picked. I want you to hear this. They did not see the final goal because they got tangled in a the theological discussion. Now, when I sat down after the prayer, my beautiful wife leaned over and said, you said trespasses. Now, why did I say trespasses? Because that's the way I grew up. It's not right or wrong. It's in the Bible. Debts is in the Bible. But now, if you were to have a meeting after church, Madison's being Methodist again. He said trespasses. When are we going to beat that Methodist out of that boy? He's a Baptist pastor now. And we got all upset over trespasses. We'd be in the same boat as the Samaritans. We'd be missing the main thing. Now, you may remember the name Lee Iacocca. He actually wrote a book called Iacocca. Now, you've got to have some nerve to name your book after yourself, right? And many pastors throughout the years have taken something that he said really led to his success at GM. He said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. What did Lee Iacocca just say? He said stop chasing rabbits. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The Samaritans wanted to have a theological discussion over where to find God. And Jesus said, God is right here. And they missed it. Now, it's interesting. The second encounter Jesus had was with a volunteer. I want you to hear this. He didn't say, follow me. The guy came up and said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, well, if you follow me, I want you to be real clear that I don't have a house to live in. I don't have a 403B pension plan. I don't have good health insurance. And there's a good chance that when I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. Now, it's interesting because we don't find out if that person actually followed Jesus or left. Most preachers leave it to our imagination that he gave up and left. My hope is that he heard that and he said, I'm in. But most folks wouldn't say that. So, the second man got in trouble because... Or Jesus said, I, my lips aren't working, I'm sorry. Some people see the cost of discipleship and are not willing to pay an earthly price for a heavenly reward. Now, the third person said that the, uh, the wind is turning my pages. The third person said, I, I'll follow you, but let me go and bur bury my father. 
Well, I want you to hear that he got involved in the discussion between good and great. Next Sunday, we're going to have communion. I love communion. I love when the body of Christ sits at the Lord's table and shares a, a, a sacramental meal. But when you get to heaven, you know the two-question theory in heaven. Doc, did you know Jesus? Yes, I did. Did you follow Jesus? Yes, I did. Well, Doc, did you have grape juice or wine at communion? Did you have bread or matzah? Did, was the bread fresh baked or was it Wonder Bread? Right? We argue over silly stuff and we miss the good, great because we're tied up in the good. The sacraments, the suppers, the car washes and the cake sales are rabbits that we chase that keep us from our main thing. Jesus was going to Jerusalem. The question we have to answer today are activities that pull us away from our call as important as we think they are. Because what did Jesus say we were called to do? To follow, to go, and to teach. Jesus, by his actions, is saying the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, the last person says, but I have responsibilities. I want to go home and say farewell to my family. And I'm sorry to say we all have responsibilities. Uh, mortgages, car payments, credit card payments. Did you know if you own a home and you have a lawn, grass is your responsibility. Your neighbors will get mad at you if you don't keep your responsibility of the grass up. They, they don't tell you that when you buy a lake house that once a year they're going to lower the lake and you got to shovel the muck out. That was never mentioned when Vicki and I bought our lake house, but it happens every year. It's a responsibility. And some people put those responsibilities in front of the main thing, which is to go and to teach the ministry of Jesus Christ. He could have argued with the first guy. He could have argued with the Samaritans. He could have argued with the guy who said, let me bury my family or say farewell. It just, he didn't argue because he had his eyes on the main thing. I, I don't know if you know this story. It's one of my favorites. Luciano Pavarotti was trained to be a music teacher. Does that make anybody here smile? Makes me smile. And you know, of course, that he had an absolutely beautiful singing voice. And what a lot of parents, including mine, would say to a young man like that, well, it's good that you have something to fall back on. Go and try and be an opera singer, but if it doesn't work out, you have your teaching certificate, you can be a music teacher. Not what Pavarotti's father said, who, by the way, also had a beautiful singing voice. You can find it on YouTube. He sang beautifully, and he said to his son, Son, singing at the opera and teaching is like trying to sit in two chairs at the same time. You will never be comfortable, and you'll never be successful. You have to pick a chair. So yes, the Bible tells us we need to honor our responsibilities, but we need to remember that the main thing we are called to do is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what does that look like? There's three steps. And you know these, but we're going to review them. The first step is you have to meet Jesus. That's why we encourage you to bring people who've never heard the gospel to church. 
because they need to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus. That's the believing part. That's where we started. The second thing is they need to follow Jesus. They need to be grown in the faith. They need to attend Bible studies and learn and, and take the word of God and write it on their hearts and their minds so that they can quote what, Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And then the third thing is they need to share Jesus. The gospel is not a secret we're supposed to keep. It's a celebration we're supposed to share. I'm going to finish with two stories, and, and there's a good chance that these stories are in my son's sermon today, because we talked on Thursday, and one of us, I think it was me this time, said, is your sermon done? He said, sort of. Is yours? I said, yes, of course, it's Thursday. And he said, well, what stories are you telling? So here we go. Church is over. Man puts his family in the station wagon, and they're headed to Cracker Barrel. And he is focused and on a mission. Cracker Barrel is the mission. And they drive by and they see a, a little old lady in her car with the hood up and there's smoke coming out. And the little boy says, Dad, shouldn't we stop and help? He says, no, son, I want to get the Cracker Barrel before the rush. He says, but, but Dad, she looks very upset and she looks like she can't really do much. We need to stop. And the dad says, no, son, Cracker Barrel is the goal. And this voice from the back seat says, Dad. Are we being like the priest in the story of the Good Samaritan? Sometimes, friends, we are more focused on Cracker Barrel than, well, let me tell this story. The Reverend Sam Jones was a great preacher in Georgia, and his style was a bit unusual. Often he would dialogue with the congregation. One Sunday morning, he said to his people, let's pretend that the church is a locomotive. What part of that locomotive would you like to be? One man held up his hand and said, I'd, I'd like to be the bell that, that tells people when it's time to get on the train. Another person said, I want to be the wheels and help wheel it down the track. One person said, I want to be the locomotive. One person said, I want to be the caboose to make sure that we don't leave anybody behind. This one lady raised her hand and said, I want to be the coal, and I just want to burn myself up for Jesus' sake. At that point, Sam Jones broke out in a huge smile. He said, now you're talking. Brothers and sisters, we've got too many whistles and wheels. We need more coal. Sam Jones was talking about commitment, the willingness to follow Jesus. The most important thing about following Jesus it's not the money you put in the plate, not the time you sit in the pews. In fact, I just read a book by uh, Ray Comfort, and he said most Christians believe that $20 in the plate and an hour in the pew is enough. But if you're just sitting still, are you really following? <sighs> the clutter, the chaos, the outside commitments of life are interfering with our main thing. The question here is, are you the coal or are you going to Cracker Barrel? I'll finish with this fact. Gallup did a poll and they found out that 
of people who say they're Christians attend church regularly. They did not define what regularly was, but 44%, that's pretty good. And then they found out that only 10% are truly committed Christians. So one in four, 25%, are cold. And 75% are on their way to Cracker Barrel. Now, that does not mean that after church, I'm telling you, you can't go to Cracker Barrel. But what I'm saying is, we need to ask the question, heartfelt, spiritually, deep in our, our lives, do you believe in Jesus or are you following Jesus? Amen.